Hi everyone, welcome back. Um, thank you very much for tuning in again. Uh, I'm going to let you get on with this conversation I had with Greg Cropper. He's an amazing guy from England Touch Association in the UK uh, and also very interesting backstory, uh, talking about winning, talking about competition, uh, talking about integrity and ethics. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Um, just a quick message again to say thank you so much for those of you who have liked and, and subscribed and, uh, and followed me on YouTube and on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate the support. Um, yeah, I just trying to spread the word a bit. So if you feel like sharing it to friends and uh, who might be interested, please do that. Um, and please do send me in any feedback you have, any comments, suggestions, or awesome people that you think I should also talk to. Uh, I'm always keen for great conversations. I'm loving this, uh, this hobby, I guess, for the fact that I get to talk to such cool people and have these really interesting conversations. And I'm uh, very much happy to share those conversations with, with you lot. So with all that said, thank you very much. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, you're listening to Wimbledon, hosted by me, Nick Ray. Hi everyone, welcome back. Uh, I'm very pleased here today to have Greg Cropper in the house on the, on the line, uh, all the way from the UK. Uh, he is a, a friend of mine. I, I won't pretend we're close, close friends because we've been rivals on a touch field actually. And uh, he is a, a fantastic gentleman who's run England Touch, which uh, when I talk about it, touch, for those that aren't familiar, uh, touch rugby is the sport or touch footy in, in Australia is what they call it, touch football. Uh, it is the sport that I fell in love with and have played uh, relatively competitively uh, for Switzerland. Uh, Greg, on the other hand, is a multiple medal winner in World Cup and, and European Cups uh, for England Touch, which is a much bigger deal than what anything I can hold up for Switzerland. Um, but uh, he's here today to talk about his journey and uh, also obviously his insights into to competition and win building. So, um, Greg, if I can just pass over to you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us about your journey, uh, where you've come from, and also your journey alongside touch, which is uh, not a professional sport. So uh, we all need to fund ourselves. Very much so. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, great to um, join you tonight. So much appreciated for the invite. Um, so yeah, I guess a bit about myself. So I was brought up in um, a small town outside of Manchester in England. Um, played lots of sports as a kid. So I was playing rugby league. Um, karate and even chess um, all for quite a, you know, a, a long time, a good level playing for my county etc um, and then got to senior school, kind of dropped out of sport a little bit um, my school wasn't particularly sporty um, and then I wasn't really sure what to do after I'd finished kind of GCSE so I went on to do A-levels um, and kind of had enough of education to some extent I went into vocational so I was um, engineering apprentice for um, that's what I went into I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do my dad was an engineer um, and he enjoyed it so I kind of followed suit um, and then first week I was there they said oh you're going back to college one day a week I was like I've literally just got out of this thing um, however you know I loved engineering I kind of made my way up the ranks at the company there um, went on to do my degree on a company sponsored course um, became production and project manager there um, and I was at the company for 18, 19 years in total um, so kind of I'd been there um, you know a long long time and I you know enjoyed it um, and like I said then I kind of moved into I started to play um, a bit of touch rugby in 2007-ish a friend of mine just said do you fancy a game or two um, I said what is it and um, so it gave me a bit of a, an insight, went down, loved it. Um, and then kind of at that point started to volunteer in the sport a little bit as well. So I set up my own club, um, Manchester Chargers in Manchester, um, and then realised it was a governing body of the sport, um, which at the time of starting just playing in the park, had no idea. Um, and then realised that you know they needed a bit of assistance to grow um, and develop the sport. So I volunteered as marketing manager for a couple of years and then um, following the 2011 World Cup in Edinburgh um, put my name down for the president of England Touch um, and then that's kind of where my journey started in that kind of area so like I said that engineer for 20 years I was 
traveling the world, building, fixing, designing, big budget machinery, um, you know, but managing my time um, with that full-time job and as well as being like the, the head figure, main ambassador role for um, England Touches business and liaising with those, you know, stakeholders, etc. Time management was like that critical part of all of that. Um, now, you know, I won't lie, there's certainly detriment to that kind of work-life balance back then. Um, certainly, probably my, um, you know, ability to kind of focus fully on my full-time job, friends, family relationships kind of stuff. Because um, it was just a lot of work. Um, but like I said, it's that, that kind of time management is something that I learned really early on, um, being able to kind of juggle both of those things. And then having built... England such for, for um, in a volunteer capacity in such a little time, I then decided to take the leap out of engineering into sport full time. Um, so I applied for a job at the Rugby Football League um, for the national manager over here, um, responsible for all of the recreational forms of rugby, so touch, tag, masters, women's, wheelchair, um, and then ran a number of events across the country, corporate events at Old Trafford, half-time games at uh, Magic Weekend. Um, and then that was a fixed-term contract, so I left there, went to work at England Squash, um, major events um, and competition manager there. So I delivered an event strategy, competition programmes. Um, and then, again, those roles at the Rugby League and at England Squash, they were all still continuing as the England Touch president role. So again, managing my time there was still um, like a key, a key part to all of that. Then January 2018, I took on the chief operating officer role at England Touch, and that was a full-time paid role. First paid role that we'd had in the organisation, equally first um, touch organisation in the Northern Hemisphere to have a paid role. And I'd built enough sustainable income streams to, to make that possible. Um, so, you know, was able to then ramp things up, even though I was probably doing 30 hours a week volunteering on top of my full-time job, I was unable to do 40 hours a week in a paid job and then still do them volunteer as I was on the top, um, but obviously a little bit less so. And it just made that work-life balance, um, you know, a lot healthier, um, cause it certainly wasn't back in, back in the, in the day. Um, and then, you know, as, as. COVID hit um, in 2020, early on, um, England Touch then, we kind of, they, they restructured, I was made redundant from there, um, so at this point, I'm just taking a bit of time out, um, I've got a, a three-year-old daughter, Poppy, so I'm just kind of resting, refocusing a little bit on, you know, what that next challenge is, but I think, looking back, you know, it's, people kind of say, leave it in a better place than you found it, and I'd, I'd certainly say from an England touch point of view in, in the 12 years that I was there, I've, I've, um, I've certainly done that. So I'm kind of proud to look back on that time. Yeah, I want to say straight up, I, I think you should be extremely proud. I know I've said this to you before in person, but uh, I'll say it here on my little channel. <laughs> uh, it, it is amazing how much work you put in. And I think just to give some context to those people listening who aren't familiar with, with touch or England touch, uh, it's it's a very large organization. How many how many registered players are there in England at the moment? Like, or, or were they pre-COVID? Uh, I should say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's funny. It depends on who you ask, um, and you know how people count numbers over here in terms of social players, registered paying players, etc. There's probably in excess of twenty five, thirty thousand um, people now playing. Again, not all registered with yeah. one governing body registered with different ones and playing the sort of squash but that's probably the last kind of that's how many yeah, there is I think, I, think, yeah, I mean that's an enormous number of people that's an enormous number of clubs and teams and, and organizations to bring together and and I, I guess where I uh, became very familiar with England Touch in particular you guys actually brought me in to do some drone filming uh, when I was trying to set up a drone company yeah I remember that and, Derek, Derek the drone yeah, yeah that's right Derek the drone that's what I called him so I came in and, and, and yeah. was part of your your uh, training setup and you, you did a training weekend I also did it with Scotland Touch and just the the professionalism 
with which everything was uh, was organized you know you guys had uh, physios on site you had all of the accommodations to arrange you had all the fields to arrange you had to get all these people from all over the country together you had the pre kind of tournaments to selection for those different uh, potential squads and things it's massive and and i i was always in awe of how you did it because the other thing about touch even though it's a non-professional sport and none of the players are getting paid it there's a so much passion in that sport and there's so many big personalities that there was always a lot of drama and riffs going on and things and you know in your position you were bound to upset people right left and center and i think you did such a great job of navigating it so i mean i'm i'm maybe maybe slightly uh giving you a big head over here but uh i think i think i think you were fantastic and i think you know you really held it so well and obviously you had a team you you, you managed that team really well as well and i know other people around you also put in so many hard uh, yards to, to get there. Yeah, most definitely. It's certainly, it's certainly been the same effort over the years, that's for sure. But I think, the, the as you mentioned, the number of volunteer hours you've put in just for the, just for that sport alone is, is phenomenal. So, yeah, the, the, the Touch community owes you a great, uh, great sense of gratitude there because uh, I think it did help Northern Hemisphere as well. You mentioned Northern Hemisphere. I mean, Wales Touch as well is going great, and, and so is Scotland Touch. You know, they, But I think that you all learn a lot from one another. And uh, that's and I can't not mention Ireland and France and all the others now. God, I'm going to get myself into trouble. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Switzerland, obviously. Uh, no, but uh, I, I, I think it was great. And I think also one thing that's interesting there as well is you know we're going to talk about obviously your your philosophy on winning and, and competition and and things and and actually being on the field because on top of all of your volunteer work and your full time work. You're also a player and you're a very good player. You're a bloody sneaky, diving, quick player, which is really annoying to play against. <laughs> but, uh, but but you had to put in a lot of time and effort to, to get good, you know, to, be, to remain fit enough, to compete yeah. at the highest level, to, to remain agile and, and speedy enough. Uh, so that that as well is, a, is no mean feat there. So I think, you know, you've got a lot, lot of things to be proud of. Okay, so now I've kissed, kissed your ass for like five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of move into winning a bit and, and your philosophy around winning and, and achieving goals. I mean, you know, th this podcast is not just about sport and, and winning, you know, tournaments and trophies, but obviously you've, you've had your fair share of that. But I think reflecting on your life and your journey, how would you frame winning in terms of achieving goals and your philosophy around that? Yeah, I think sometimes winning's just a result you know i think the real winners often are those that achieve their goals you know no matter how big or small they are like if you take you know an example of a sports day when you know a child who came last they might see themselves as the winner because they were like well i've never done the hurdles before i'm scared of them they jumped all of the hurdles they came last but they won because their goal was running the hurdles whereas Another kid can, you know, he can be actual winner, but he didn't do it. He wasn't a personal best and he's not content with his performance. So even though he won, he doesn't feel like a winner. So I think sometimes it's just, it, you know, it's achieving those kind of um, things. It's just some of it's a, a bit of a mindset and, you know, what, what your goal is. Um, and I certainly I think achieving goals and dreams and those kind of things is, you know, you need to be self-driven. You know, I think it can only be done by yourself. You know, you, we, if we just keep on sport for a second and, and, and youngsters, so many kids drop out of sport purely because they're following the, the goal and dream of a parent or a guardian. It's not like it's what they want. It's like, well, you know, come on, son, or come on, daughter. That's what, you know, they, trying to live vicariously through your children a little bit sometimes. And um, I think it definitely needs to be a partnership between that person that's aiming towards whatever goal it is and the support network, be that a coach, friend, mentor, sponsor, whatever it is, um, you know, and, and certainly from a from a, a kid's point of view, it's certainly like if you don't make that selection, if you don't make the team, well, you're never going to make it without that parental, emotional, financial support. So it's it needs to be a team effort. And I think certainly... Um, a lot of the stuff that you know we're doing in life and in business is that team effort and having that really strong support network um, that you can you know you can fall back on or you, you've having a bit of a bad day and they can pick you back up. Um, but equally, I think 
in terms of you know achieving them goals etc i think unless you've experienced what it is to to fail um then i, I don't always and you know that sense of disappointment that drives you harder next time you know like i said I, you know we, we were talking then around i've played competitively for england since 2009 um you know i've been been around the sport for a long time in the kind of top 10 of people that have played for our country in terms of number of caps etc so i've been around the game for a long time but i think and you know over that time obviously won and lost many games i think you always learn most from your losses um you know i think you know we go into those games against the big uh, powerhouse countries of you know new zealand australia etc um and our win is very different than when we would play Ireland, for example, who are on a similar level, or we would play Luxembourg or Switzerland, who are a developing nation. So I think setting what that win is, um, you know, is it completing your set of six, sticking to the game plan regardless of the score, those kind of things. I think you can take that into into a life and, and, a, and, a, and a business sense as well, um, because it's certainly, you know, you, you're not going to win everything. You certainly need to... Um, to kind of build a bit of that resilience. And I think some of this is, you know, not being afraid to admit that you've failed or, you know, you've been defeated or you've made a mistake because we're all human. And I think it also shows just a bit of that, you know, being transparent. It, it also, you know, the rest of your team are then, you know, you're accountable to them, you know, for your own decisions. It just, it's a bit of a, a self-awareness piece, I think, isn't it? You know, in terms of, um, being flexible, adapting to them kind of changes and, and, and pushing forwards regardless. Um, I've always a bit of fail fast, you know, admit your mistakes, move on. You know, there's always, um, you know, all the lockdown and, and kind of just coming out of it. I've, this year I've set quite a few um, challenges per month for myself, nothing groundbreaking. Um, but, you know, things I can look back on to, you know, that I'm grateful I've done. I can just give me a focus of what I'm doing next month or whatever. So I've just done a, done a half marathon um, last month because I've, I've not done one for 15 years. I thought, oh, how am I doing? You know, where would it be? Funnily enough, just today we climbed um, the height of Snowden up and down my stairs um, just for another, another challenge. <laughs> another challenge. Um, and then next month, 5K a day in June, doing a triathlon. Um, so just, just keeping kind of different challenges to just keep you a bit focused. And I think my win for that month is complete that challenge. And not everything's a physical thing. It's sometimes, you know, reading so many books or doing certain, like doing yoga or doing kind of learning a new skill of juggling or something, you know, as, as daft as that. But it's just, I think you need to... Um, set goals that you know that are achievable, um, but keep setting them that yourself that you, that you believe in. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree, and I think you know a lot about goals. I mean, I'm a trained coach as well, not just in touch, but also in like executive coaching and, and personal development coaching, and that's all about you know setting goals and setting a good goal that that is you know all, all meets all the requirements of SMART, etc. That that you can look towards that will stretch you. I like your point about don't be afraid to admit you fail. I think I think something interesting I've been reflecting on from a lot of the conversations I've had actually and in, in, in this podcast and and I think you'll relate to it or I hope you'll relate to it is there's something around not being sort of being okay with being afraid or, or uh, very apprehensive before you're going to execute that sort of final performance or whatever. I think I think something really amazing that I miss a lot about sport at the moment, I miss about touch, is that feeling, even if it's a, just a park game, but that feeling before the whistle goes at the start of the game where you're standing there looking the other, you know, you know whatever happens next, the whistle's going to go and we're going to start playing, whether we're, we're defending or attacking. And there's that moment of like, <clears throat> okay, we're doing this, you know, and it's like... Um, it's like yeah. a little bit of fear or apprehension where I don't know how this is going to go. You yeah. know, we should win or we shouldn't win or yeah. we're going to be whatever. And that feeling, you know, whether you're in an orchestra and it's before the first note gets played or if you're in a theater performance and the curtain's going to go up or whatever, you know, that moment is is quite an interesting. I think there's a real interesting psychology around that moment where you've got to kind of overcome that fear and be brave and be ready to execute. But then also knowing that you've had that moment and if it didn't go well, 
that's okay you know that not to be ashamed of it like you just yeah, said definitely. i think it's it's really there's a there's a really interesting thing especially in sport because it's so easy to be very tangible in sport you know you get a score you either won or you didn't win you know like it's pretty obvious yeah. uh and then like you said I, I think setting those other goals is what people a lot of people who aren't involved in sport so deeply they don't see that part of it you know did you make all the touches you wanted to make did you manage to sort of achieve the goals you set for that game um i love that you talked about australia australia new zealand for those that don't know sorry i have to keep referring to those that don't know in case there's some non-touch people in my life <laughs> who listen to this but uh, australia new zealand yeah. absolutely dominate this sport i mean uh, england have kind of pushed them a few times in various uh, divisions uh, but uh england uh, australia new zealand by and large they dominate in touch uh, touch footy so if you get to play against them there's a very good chance you're going to need to set some other goals than winning the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I also wanted to talk to you a bit about um, kind of perhaps some of the things you feel you've, uh, some experiences you've had in life where you feel like you've you failed, but you learned from it and, and like how you moved forward from that. Maybe in touch, you, you can use examples there. Like where did you not meet the goals? Maybe even in the organization of touch, you know, where you were, because you were juggling so many balls and things or in your, or in your work life as well. Like, and some of the things you've learned from that and how you've adapted yourself or, or for, to move forward. Yeah, like, I think one of those, isn't it? You know, don't be afraid to make mistakes or admit them, um, you know, we're human, it's what we do, and like I was saying, that kind of fail fast, learn from it experience, uh, I think is is key. Um, like I was saying, it, I've, I, I recently just um, wrote a LinkedIn article just reflecting about my time where I was working at England Touch, and um, you know, the feedback and thank you messages that I've had have been pretty overwhelming, to be honest. It's been kind of lovely to hear what other people saw that sometimes. I didn't see, you know, being in the thick of it all, um, you know, you make a small change but it's made a big difference to the club or that player or whatever. So it's been really kind of heartwarming to kind of listen to some of that feedback with it. It's, it's very rare you get it whilst in a job or you kind of, and it's when you leave, it goes, oh, man, you did this, these things, these things. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's been lovely to hear, but, you know, there's been... Um, you know, big, big achievements that we've kind of done in terms of like, you know, European Championships in 2018, that you, I know that you were there, Nick. Um, and it was, you know, probably the biggest, well, it was, it certainly was the biggest event that's ever been on this side of um, the world. Um, probably the best that I've been to. You know, we invested a lot of time into the season. We, you know, in terms of behind the scenes, domestic season, getting all the footage, and then being able to present that to the BBC and, you know, negotiations that we had there. Um, again, just skyrocketed the, the sport um, for everyone to be able to see it. You know, you go on the BBC app in the morning, you'd be the first thing there. It was, it was a huge kind of thing. Um, but all of those things, I think you, we've got to approach in terms of, well, from day one, you've got, to, you've, you've got to write the bid, you've got to win the bid, then you've got to go on the BBC. It's like, well, them are like written down and then like that they're not achievable we can't do them things um and it's that you know taking that bite-sized chunks of can't eat an elephant whole kind of philosophy isn't it you know focusing on like the process you know you know the outcome's always important um but i think so too is how you how you arrive at it and kind of focus on that um end goal i guess some to some extent you know keep it's, it's i think sometimes it's difficult to um, I keep your emotions in, in check, you know, there's, it's stressful at times, you know, you can, that affects your judgment. So I've always tried to kind of adopt that rational mindset to some extent where you kind of step back from, from a challenge, give it a day or so, and then kind of go, go like clear head and go back into it. Um, you know, and I think that I've got some really good confidence, um, that I speak to regularly, give great advice, sometimes just sit and listen while I figure things out myself. Um, I think that speaking out loud to somebody, even if they're just listening, um, you know, makes a big difference. Um, you know, like you said, I was I was playing in them squads as well as running the club, running my leagues, running being a new dad. Um, so, you know, life was pretty kind of hectic at times. Um, 
So, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't know if I ever got to an answer of your question there. <laughs> no, but it's really interesting. And I think, I think one thing I wanted to just jump back into is that when you talked about organizing like a massive event like the 2018 Euros, that's a really good example. I mean, that was fantastic. It was like, I can't remember how many hundreds of teams from all over the world came and uh, no, not all over the world, all over Europe came uh, and some from other places in the world, right? There were some representatives from. Yeah, so we had 63 teams, 17 countries, 1500 athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 20% bigger than the previous one and 2020, was again another 20% bigger, 80 teams, 20 countries just before COVID struck, you know, and I'd added in an international series. So there was countries outside of Europe, so Chile, South Africa, Singapore, UAE, all of those countries that were keen to be part of that event, um, which, you know, developing the sport wider um, for those countries that don't have that group of countries nearby that they kind of, that they play. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, a huge event, a big undertaking, and think, you know, at the end of it, was kind of going <laughs> a while to kind of de decompress and like look back and enjoy it after. Because yeah. in the moment, sometimes like you don't always enjoy that kind of middle ground, do you? Sometimes? Well, I guess you were so. probably juggling as the head guy of England. I know you, you you delegated a lot and you had, you know, you had people like Ben Powell and he's another guy I really want to get on this podcast at some point, but I'm not sure he's, he's going to be super keen. Uh, but he, uh, you know, people like that running around doing things for you. But it's, I mean, it is amazing. And I think the, the, the sort of almost, you'd say, audacity to, to think, let's get the BBC involved. Like, you know, when that came up in a conversation at some point, that must have seemed like, yeah, come on. But the fact that, yeah. you, guys, but I mean, the fact that you guys had got yourself in a position sorry. with people to, 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 yeah. to, to be able to have that conversation and then say, let's give it a mm -hmm. go, you know? And, and I think, again, credit to you, but you, you, you like bite-sized chunks is the, is the key there, right? What you said because it's like process. Well, how would we do that? You know, and that probably your experience with the other yeah. sports helped, but I'm sure your experience amongst your team as well and people you, 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 you know, you pulled on to, to find, find out who do we need to speak to in the BBC? How do we go about doing that? How do we go about yeah. getting that sorted? You know? Cause I think a few years ago, like 27, 16, 17, because England such was still kind of small-ish and we were super agile to kind of go I ring up one of the, the guys that are working with us um, and like got an idea what do you think about this yeah it's good Monday morning we were doing it like because we were such an agile kind of the bigger it gets the bigger the longer the process is taken everything kind of slows down a bit um, but back then we're like we're going to live stream these games oh well we've got the budget just about we'll break even let's go for it gets it in next minute everyone's like oh i want to i want to jump on the commentary i want to go and do this everyone's involved and they're kind of super keen to kind of be part of it um you know there's a bit of apprehension first like oh you know what about refereeing decisions are they going to be right are they going to be reviewed it's like that's not what it's for it's for enjoyment it's like we, we're out here we're promoting the sport let's get out there and do it um and we went the only way we can fill the time between the games is we need to create highlights reels, we need to create videos, we need to create just content. Um, and we took 12 months doing, actually, if we do this right, then we've got a package to go to and go, this is what we're producing on virtually zero budget. Um, this is the sport, this is how it's growing and kind of go with this kind of, why not? You're doing a lot of new sports. We are one kind of get involved, and they did, and we were like, "Are we doing this?" <laughs> so it was kind of, <laughs> but we did, and like you say, you know, the times when we kind of launched it and told people, like my Facebook feed and social media channels were literally just that same link all day long, and I was like, "Brilliant!" It's kind of it's growing, and it was like, um, you know, it, it, again a big win for us. It wasn't. We didn't know if we would. I, I wasn't ever going to be upset if we lost that because you know we had nothing to lose we didn't have them originally and then we got them in the end so it was um i think that again it's not being afraid to fail because you know what's the worst that can yeah. happen 
Yeah, it, it was incredible. I, just to give context, just in case, BBC, massive uh, television organization. I can't believe if no one's not heard of that, but the UK's biggest uh, TV yeah. broadcasting uh, ch channels. And uh, they live streamed all the games at the main fields uh, on, on, the, on their websites and stuff and, uh, and apps. And it was, yeah, it was crazy viewing. And, and they, they, we had um, players commentating as well, which was, which was epic. It was so good to have that insight. Uh, uh, I actually got to, <coughs> I got to um, commentate on one of my team's games, actually. <laughs> nice, yeah. It's good, though, isn't it? It's kind of, it just, it shows it from a different viewpoint. Because, you know, obviously the commentators don't know the players, don't know the sports so well. Um, so having that kind of core commentator from a coach, a ref, a player, it just gives that other insight. So they can be commentate on the game quite well. And they're going to go, oh, what do you think about that, Nick? What did they do here? And then you can go, oh, well, here's my insight. And it just it just brings a different flavour to the, to the game, yeah, doesn't it, for the audience? It was absolutely great. I, 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 I mean, fantastic tournament, fantastic uh, success, really. And obviously the weather was blazing. It was in my old university, actually, in Nottingham. So that's where I went to university. So I, I knew yeah. it well. And, uh, we all stayed on on campus and it was great fun and the social was pretty fun as well so uh, it all went swimming. yeah I'd, i didn't stay for too long though i went there for an hour or so to show my face and then i kind of crashed out i've been um first day every morning last to leave every day playing in the time so it was kind of decompress and go and have a gin and tonic somewhere on my own <laughs> some medals, right you, you guys won that that one yeah right? No, we we can we got silver. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but you have got many, you've got we, many we goals in the final. Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we've got we've again. I think in the European Championships, we've we've silver and gold in every time we've entered, um, and then either third or fourth in the World Cup. Um, so I've got a bronze medal at the World Cup in 2015 Australia. Um, but funny enough, when we, you know you were talking about the, the powerhouses of those kind of things. The very last game in, um, so I've been playing in the mixed thirties team for ten years, and knew that I was kind of coming to the end of that um, cycle. Going well, you're forty two now. You probably shouldn't be playing in that category. Um, but you know, you don't like to, you don't like to kind of admit that to yourself to some extent, do you? But you know, it was the very last game we played was um, in the World Cup in 2019. Blazing hot sun, like the the temperatures in Malaysia were just ridiculous, and the, the humidity and everything. And our very last game was a bronze medal met bronze medal match against New Zealand. Um, they got knocked out, so it was it, they weren't in the final, and we were winning. Got we were like three two up going into half time, thinking you know you know what there might be a big upset here, and it was super kind of. That was, you know, I think we got a bit of a way with ourselves. They ended up um, beating us and we, and we lost um, by a couple. But then it finished. They came and did the hacker after the game. Um, so, like, that was our kind of swan song of leaving. Um, it was a really kind of great atmosphere, um, you know, to kind of just face off. And, you know, like, you've just been playing against these guys and they're two metres away and, like, the tongues are out and they're doing all of the kind of cultural dances it was just a, a really good way to kind of finish that i guess that career in that in that team but equally the the um that tour as well it was really yeah. good i missed i've never made it to any world cups unfortunately for various work related reasons but uh yeah i'm, I'm a it sounded amazing uh, in two years time Time. Have to put your name down again. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Listen, I, before, I wanted to also touch on something I, I mentioned to you before that I wanted to touch on this because uh, an interesting thing about touch is it's it's an honesty game. So obviously at the highest levels of the games you've just described, there's there's actually three refs, for those that don't know. There's there's a rotating uh, set of referees who, who rotate through the game. It's a very fast game, so you need these three refs. Um, but when you're playing park touch, for example, when you start out and you're just playing for fun, well, if you're if you're lucky, you have a ref. <laughs> if, in fact, I'd say if you're lucky, you have a full team at the very beginning. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but when once you're playing like proper park touch in some of the the the, the tournaments that and and, and um, uh, I forgot what they're called, um, you know, the tables when you when you play uh, against the sets of teams. Uh, they you, you yeah. usually have um, a, a ref and 
the thing about touch is it's an honesty sport. So touch literally means touch. If you touch someone's hair on their head and you feel it clearly, then you've touched them and it counts. And if you touch the ball that they're carrying, that counts as a tackle or a touch. Uh, and if you clip their boot, it doesn't matter if the person you're touching feels it or not. If you call touch and you've touched them, then that is a touch and it means they have to stop and the, the game continues from there and you have these six touches. The interesting thing about that is what it throws up is a lot of like, you didn't get me or I don't believe you. Oh, that was a, f a phantom touch is like the biggest dishonor you can be accused of in, in touch because a phantom touch means that you made the call and you were lying. Um, but it's an interesting thing because the sport works even though people play very, very competitively and they uh, play, they you know push the limits of the rules they push as far hard, you know they push the time they, they make strategies around how they because you have to retreat a certain amount of distance you have to do certain things if the ref's not looking a certain direction you can maybe curve your run back instead of running straight in a straight line all these things which you can bend rules around but these things that require this honesty i think it's interesting and i wanted to kind of touch on ethics in sport and, and your thoughts around that and and any learnings that you have on that or thoughts you have on that because I think it's such an interesting sport for that, but also obviously there are times where people do break the rules and, and have to be disciplined and things. So yeah, if I could just throw that in your general direction and have you freestyle on that for a while. It's, um, I think, yeah, I think ethics essentially is, you know, the, the system of moral behavior for, for want of a kind of better phrase. It kind of ensures that, you know, integrity of the sport um or just general good character of, of a person you know it helps that differentiate right from wrong good from bad in sport and life and i think it's you know a lot of it comes down to that fair play you know i think you've got to respect the rules of the sport you're playing your opponents um and you know controlling your actions emotions on and off the field you know not blaming um anybody else or officials or whoever and like you were saying then you know that the sport i play or we play is is based on honesty and it doesn't really work without it you know obviously there are it does happen where people have kind of played dirty for example but it's it's very very rare in the sport and i think certainly as i just mentioned previously that there's more live streaming so players are probably even less likely um to do that now because you can kind of go back and and review things and um but yeah i think it's just that doing the right thing um you know you you hear the analogy when um you've been to the supermarket with your shopping trolley and nobody makes you put it back you don't get anything for taking it back but the right thing is is just to put it back so the system works like so when you go next time there is a trolley for you to take um, and there's no there's, there's no benefit for doing it other than like if nobody does it the system fails. Um, you know we we had instances at, at the World Cup where there's you know a players called a touch, the referees took the word for it, um, and you know they've had to think about it later and been back and you know the game's finished. Luckily, it's not made a difference to the the score, um, but they've been and apologised. Um, to the opposition, to their own team, and kind of said, "Listen, you know, I was flustered. I thought I was letting you down, um, and you know, I think it's a life lesson for him that they'll, that, you know, never do it again. And I think it takes some courage to kind of go. I did the wrong thing in the spur of the moment, but I'm holding hands up now and kind of, um, you know, I've I've missed touches and you know by a fraction, and I could have called it because it was was I there, wasn't it? I was." But sometimes, you know, we've lost a game for that for missing that one. But I think that honesty and, and integrity of just knowing that you've done the right thing is is key to to all of them kind of ethics in sport and in life, isn't it? So even when it's just that integrity of doing the right thing when nobody's watching is, you know, the, what you can kind of hold your hat on, isn't it? No, I agree. And it's not just, I guess, actually, I have an example which you might find quite funny and uh, depending on who's listening, Maybe people know who I'm talking about. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just name him Gareth Revel uh, in in Wales. He's a he's like a giant, <laughs> and he's so dynamic. It's ridiculous. The two things don't don't compute. He's a very very talented player and uh, extremely sort of uh, gifted with with the with the game. Um, 
and uh, I was I was tasked as playing for Switzerland to in a defensive role basically to annoy him because he was so good in attack that it was like if you Nick if you get in his face and annoy him you may be able to put him off because you're so annoying is what I was told and so so I was basically that was my mission in this game and we were actually just be <laughs> yeah. yeah so he was we were playing yeah. it was he plays for wales and is the one of the integral players for wales and uh i was playing for switzerland and and yeah we were actually up at half time uh, not just because of my getting in his face uh but i don't know that my getting in his face helped but i was actually sinbinned for getting in his face and basically shouting and being <laughs> a, a bit of an idiot um but but yeah it was funny because that for him, I think it was like a year later we played again and he was still annoyed about it. He found, you know, I mean, we've since hopefully cleared the ground a bit, but uh, yeah. he was still annoyed about it because I think for him that was ethically very much, you know, that is not the spirit of the game. That is that. But I, yeah, exactly. But it was yeah. an interesting experience because it was like my job from my coach was get in yeah. his face. And uh, it's an it's a, it's a yeah. interesting balance there. But yeah, it's, it's well, quite funny because he's not the type of person you want to pick a fight with. <laughs> and certainly not. No, certainly not. He's, he's massive. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, I thought you'd I thought you'd find that quite funny. But I, I, I wanted to move on a bit and um, ask a bit about sort of talents and qualities because you've obviously seen and you've been so involved with the high performance stuff with England Touch as well. And and what I mean by that is that, you know, obviously the, 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 the best teams in, in England Touch are... Uh, uh, getting coaches and getting a lot of work and in fact you have you know sports scientists coming in and doing various projects and stuff with all of that going on what have you learned about sort of skills and talents you know required to to sort of execute strategy to 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 win and and achieve something incredible what are what are those sort of skills and talents that you see as common in some in in a person or a team that are going to succeed yeah so i think I think one, you certainly need to enjoy it. Like you, you spend a lot of time, money, effort, um, you know, doing your sport, whatever it is. And I think to kind of not enjoy it um, is, you know, I think you need to be able to pick yourself up, be in a good environment. Um, I think going back to some of them things we said earlier, setting them smart goals, they can be small, but ambitious. It's something to aim for, like the challenges I've just set for myself. You know, I'm not competing against anybody myself, but I set some kind of personal goals, health and fitness goals, professional goals, financial goals. And it's the first time I've done it, and I've kind of enjoyed the process, something to reflect back on each month and then at the end of the year to see kind of how I did. Um, I think self-reliance and a, and a bit of confidence um, is a trait that you see um, and a quality you see in people. You know, you need to remain accountable when it comes to your own goals and values, um, understanding where your strengths and weaknesses are, you know, act accordingly just to, to manage them. You've got to have a bit of faith in yourself as well. You know, you need to believe that you've got what it takes to achieve them goals. You know, you don't, um, you know, I think if you, if you don't have this type of self-confidence at the moment, I think everyone's got quality naturally, and I certainly don't always have it, but I think picking goals and some personal qualities and you can, you know, cultivate them over time. Um, you know, I think you gain confidence if you work at it. I think probably another one is is patience and something that probably I am not great at. Um, it's probably personally it's probably one I'm um, probably the least least patient person. Um, you know, very little happens overnight. Um, and certainly like I said, you know, going back a few years everything was really agile here's an idea monday morning you know we were doing it um and i think sometimes when things get bigger and more um slowed down it, it kind of it's like but why are we not doing this monday like we would normally do it and it's just that kind of changing mindset sometimes you know it's um you know people sometimes are like kind of overnight success um like oh this happened overnight success oh that's how we describe you know, who became successful overnight and, you know, instantaneously. But however, the, you've got to remember, like, the stuff that you do not see, it's probably taken them years or decades to kind of get to that level. You don't just come out of thin air and just be really successful at, at anything, like a, a pop artist or, a, you know, a tennis player or whatever it is. You don't just 
do that overnight. Like you see, Joe Wicks, he's, he's done stories about this overnight success, but then he's got a ten-year journey behind him of where he started in a park with like three people doing a boot camp. It's like he, he, he's not. He wasn't an overnight success. He's like it looks like it, but he's done ten years of graft. Yeah. And I think that probably the last trait on that would be resilience. And I think I touched on it earlier. I think in all, you know, all of us at, at some point are going to be been knocked down and you you know you may have seen it coming you may not um but i think that importance of just kind of getting up more times that you've been knocked down i think you know when you lack that resilience sometimes you kind of you run away from your problem you you avoid admitting their mistakes and you i think it takes away the chance to develop you know not being i'm not i'm not fair if an idea doesn't work or you lose a game or whatever it's you know quickly reassess fail fast, learn from experience, and move on. And I think some of that is trying to not take things too personally. Um, and that's, again, something that I've had to work on a lot over the years. Um, you know, as you mentioned um, earlier about, you know, making decisions and you're not, it's not always, um, you know, you're never going to suit anybody. And it's, it, like I said, it's a tough one. Um, being part of, I guess it's part of the process, you know, you kind of, you're the boss, you make that tough decision for the greater good and you can't always please all of the people um, all of the time or even any of the time some people. So you've got to kind of realise that, you know, I'm giving you a blank cheque or it's on the wrong coloured paper. You know, you know that then people exist in the world um, and you've got to kind of just, don't take that, take that personally. Um, have that resilience and, that, like I said, a good network to, to confide in and open up to. Like, Going back to um, European Champions, I wore in so many caps there, um, kind of, it's tough to switch off at night, so I was playing, organising, dealing with disciplinary issues, um, and I recall a time that was, the outcome was, was um, from a, a disciplinary issue that I had to deal with, um, wasn't in the favour of, of one of our players. Um, and then I'm getting abused by them and their parents and for something that's literally not my fault. I've not been involved in the process. I've done my best to, to kind of um, appease everybody. Um, but then next minute, I'm back on the field trying to focus on my game. Um, and I got very good at kind of compartmentalizing those things. Um, you, you switch off at night and the adrenaline disappears. Um, adrenaline's gone and you kind of that's when it takes its toll, I think. And I think sometimes being able to speak to somebody that's not judging you, that can offer an ear to listen to or a shoulder to cry on or that kind of thing is, you know, I've been incredibly lucky to have those people around me. Um, and, you know, resilience and that kind of thing, I think, is, is a key trait. I mean, nobody plans to be average. You know, average always happens if you kind of fail to strive for that next thing, if you fail to kind of apply yourself and your skills to kind of become something different. Um, you know, I think those few things that I mentioned there, you know, the resilience, the self-confidence and reliance, um, I think to me are, are, are traits that I see in those people that have probably achieved most um, and kind of, you know, it's a bit of a, an indicator, I think, sometimes whether they are going to, win and achieve that kind of next thing i th i love that yeah I, I, it's come up quite a lot it's funny it reminded me a lot of <clears throat> so i had a, a a woman on who'd won an olympic gold medal well she won multiple medals but also an olympic gold medal in swimming and she talked a lot about that uh, resilience and obviously you know she talked a lot about how nobody wants to get up and jump into a cold swimming pool at five o'clock in the morning you know like even the even the most keen <laughs> olympic yeah. swimmers don't don't want to do that on the cold yeah. mornings but they just do it because it's you know it's all about how to how to move forward and that resilience and um i think she she also talked about compartmentalizing and and she also talked about one thing which is kind of what you alluded to which is finding that calm in it being able to find that calm in the moment you need it and focus yeah. on the task at hand i think that is something which you know you talked about it right at the start about time management and things but it's being able to move from one task to another and really give your undivided attention and focus to that next task 
that is a, that is a skill to develop and that is something that is achievable i think for most people it's not something that is just a, a you know a talent or a trait that you either have or you don't have i think that is something that can definitely be developed but it is uh it is certainly something you need to keep working at and you know it's it's so easy to to lose focus and lose lose that uh, uh you know that that, ta that task because of it now i also have this up here which says it's not about how hard you can hit it's about how hard you can get hit and still get up and keep, <laughs> keep going so yeah. yeah i love that i love that rocky attitude. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, it's the rocky i've got my my posters behind me <laughs> sorry for everyone listening on the podcast yeah. app going what is he talking about <laughs> so greg uh we turn to wrap up now but I, what i've I found is quite cool and uh, i quite enjoy doing is is throwing the sort of final questions slash offer out to, to my guests to give a bit of advice or a bit of uh, sort of be, you know best thoughts you have on on kind of anyone aspiring or looking to achieve something you know if you've got any advice for anyone out there that is I mean it could be related to touch or it could just be general advice um, you know uh, that you'd like to give um I think probably just a I hate to just keep repeating the same same points to be honest, but I think them kind of setting them smart goals um, is key. You know, be ambitious, um, but you know, don't be afraid to fail. I think if you if you never try anything, and I think if anybody has never failed, they've never tried anything new. Believe um, in yourself. You know, I think like I said, it's having it's you can cultivate those things over time. You, you like you say, you, you don't you're not born with super confidence or you know etc those things get better over time the more you work on them and, and sometimes it's just that sit down reflect um and learn you know I've, I've always been kind of it's not something i've done um throughout my kind of life or career but it's something i've kind of started to do a lot more over the last probably two years i think um and kind of sit back reflect i've started to write a journal so you kind of you can you can look back and you go oh yeah I remember getting over them things and it's um it's quite an interesting journey really I think sometimes just looking back and seeing you, you don't see it when you're in the moment sometimes do you because you're too you're too busy in the moment than kind of sitting back and and, and looking like what you've have achieved or where you've come from um, and it sometimes it just needs that good network around you to go yeah but do you remember when you you were like oh yeah we did and that we it's it's anything that you're doing has grown, either grown as a person or you've developed new skills or the thing that you were working on has been a success, but because you're like, right, we've done that next thing. Um, and it's sometimes that reflection piece, isn't it? Sometimes that you need to kind of look back on and it's nice to have somebody kind of reflect it back to so you go, but you've done these really good jobs. Um, and do you remember these things? You're like, ah. So I think that's always, having that strong network around you, I think is, is certainly key. That's cool. Thank you so much, Greg. That was great, great advice. I, I actually uh, just thinking about reflecting back to when I first met you. I think it was when you were dressed as Where's Wally in a in fancy dress in uh, in, in Paris. In Paris. Right? Yeah, in a tournament over there. <laughs> reflecting on that, that seems like a many many years back now. Yeah, and I was going to say, indeed, yeah. I agree with you completely on the point about it's it, in the moment. It's very difficult to look back, especially for anyone out there who's a father or a mother. It's uh, of a of a young three year old yeah. or or around that age. It's uh, extremely difficult in the moment to reflect. So, uh, <laughs> good yeah. on you, Greg. So actually, one thing we haven't mentioned, which I, I'm quite surprised because I would like to you you know make sure everyone's aware. You you've set up on the seven uh, events and. Uh, uh, just to, if you could just talk a little bit about that, just introduce what that is. And it, 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 for those of you listening who aren't already in, the, you know, in a well-established touch country, it, this is really worth listening to because it is it is possible for, for Greg to engage you on this as well. Because um, touch should be a sport which is grown, but also, of course, in the UK and, and, and around as well. So, Greg, if you could just explain what it is and, 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 and tell us a little bit about yeah, it. Sure. So on the seven events, basically it was just born out of a passion for kind of high quality, competitive touch events. So I guess the key driver was to kind of provide that competitive masters, seniors and, and youth events, because there's quite a lack of that in the UK and Europe in general. Um, but there's an increasing appetite for it. Um, and we've set that up just to kind of meet that demand. 
um, like a lot of the events that you would go to across the, the across Europe, basically, and that kind of circuit that people do, they're all mixed open events. And so if you kind of you fit in, you want to play, um, you get a bit older, seniors and masters events, or you're too young, those events are not really kind of happening. So um, we're kind of trying to focus on that participant experience, um, removing all of the kind of red tape and event admin, um, simplifying the kind of restrictions, etc. And these are these events are to run outside of any high performance national association federation calendar they're certainly not here to um replace or undermine any of those events kind of you know, whatsoever it's all about you know that further development supporting um a growing and connected touch community um and basically just further opportunities to participate so we're basically starting smallish in 2021 um obviously due to covid as things kind of slowly start to open up um, and then build to get to slightly bigger events as restrictions lift. Um, I think even in, because this year there's no major championships, but I think even when there is, it's still a great opportunity to kind of have these age categories playing more competitive games and they can be used as, you know, team bonding, selection exercises ahead of events and generally just a good addition to a calendar that's you know, it's increasing, there's an increased demographic of that sport um, and it's currently just not catered for. Um, so this year we've got six events um, in England from youth to masters um, and then a senior masters event in Alicante in Spain um, in November, Touch and Tapas, which I, which I, um, I came up with myself, which I'm quite happy with. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, and then a large club event in Abu Dhabi, um, and that is literally at the best stadium that you could ever imagine to play a touch on. Um, I went, I was lucky enough to go over last year just before lockdown happened. Um, so yeah, the Middle East Championships, um, it, it was run five or six years ago, we're resurrecting that event, um, and you know, we've got quite a few teams from the UK already signed up, loads of teams from um the middle east already signed up so yeah it's excited to get things off the ground this year um and see where things go um you know maybe we can come up to switzerland and run something for you guys as well so well, let's, I'm, um, in, I'm in let's norway keep now and i'm hoping to get some touch hey, over here in let's go. norway but uh but yeah switzerland <laughs> i know i've got fr good friends in switzerland and all in the swiss touch community and they could definitely benefit from something like that there's a lot of there's a bunch of old older men uh, who are playing in the older men category I, i'll be gentle about their ages yeah. but uh <laughs> but they're, they're definitely keen and i know that they went on a tournament to spain yeah so i think that i think it's a great idea greg and i think uh, there's for sure around europe there's loads of um teams that you know because it's, it's generally as also a sport that's played um after people have played competitive rugby a lot of people then go to touch yeah 100 percent it is yeah it's it's growing. It's growing that demographic every year. If you look at if you look at the World Cup, there was more seniors and masters teams than there were opens teams this year. The first time there's that kind of been that flip, um, and across the globe, basically, because as we were saying, the sport is is run um, voluntarily in the majority of places, other than three countries. Everybody's running as a volunteer, so to host these big events. It takes a lot of people, a lot of capacity. And those people are normally running their own club or they're doing their own thing. So they'd happily kind of, you know, reached out to us and go, could you host an event for us and with us um, on our fields over here? We want to help grow the sport a little bit more. We want our players to have an opportunity to come. We want people to come over um, and see what it is that we're doing. So one of the things that we're doing in Spain, we're setting up a new club um, at the at the venue um, in Torrevieja. Set up a new club there. The, the night before the event, there's going to be like a coach session that we're going to put on, and then a little um, tournament on the Friday night, uh, the Thursday night, sorry, and then the event's going to be Friday and Saturday. Um, so it gives them opportunity then to come and watch what a higher level and more competitive environment is. So again, it's not just turning up to like other countries to kind of go we're running an event and we're leaving it's that growth of the sport a bit wider and kind of help out 
those countries that are you know not able to if you look at in Europe now there's I'm not really sure who's going to put the hand up to horse European Championships again, other than England. Um, it's too big. It's too big for a lot of countries, um, or it's perceived to be too big. And you know, to to run it um, when you're just looking back and going, I've got to run it as good as the previous one, then it's it's a big challenge, and people will kind of go, well, as a volunteer, can I commit to that? Um, as you know, we we kind of set up to assist those countries to go actually i live here we'd be interested in doing it how do we partner how do we kind of get involved in doing stuff so them the kind of areas that we've been looking into and had you know quite far in line with a couple of countries that are interested in horsing events as well so that's exciting stuff I, I can't think of a better man to be leading that charge so uh yeah i wish the very best for you for you and for that uh that 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 organization i hope you don't end up uh, doing too many volunteer hours with it. I hope you get, you get something out of it in the end. <laughs> definitely deserve. Uh, well, it, it, to, all of these to, things start as a hobby, don't they? So we'll see. We'll see how they go. But uh, look after yourself as well. You've got that little poppy to look after now as well. So uh, I know I have, yeah. She's lucky that she's in bed now. So <laughs> fingers crossed we you never know Greg thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me I really super appreciate it and um, yeah I wish you the very best with, with your, your future with On The 7 and I hope to get to play against you again sometime you're a, a sneaky bugger on the field and, and I, you're always scoring Let's up my feet somehow but I do enjoy playing against <laughs> you so uh, I hope to get to, to see you and um, have, a, have a beer with you at some point excellent thanks Nick right, much appreciated bye bye Thanks for listening. Uh, I wish you a very lovely day, evening, morning, wherever you're at in the uh, in the world. And uh, I hope that life is treating you great. Don't forget to like, subscribe and uh, give us a review on the podcast channels if you're there. Bye.